You're listening to the We Lead Well podcast, where well-being matters. The show is brought to you in partnership with Progressive Masculinity and headteacherchat.com. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the We Lead Well podcast. I am Vicky Maguire. I'm the founder of We Lead Well. And as many of you will already know, We Lead Well isn't just a podcast, although the podcast does play a major role in our mission to transform education by focusing on leadership and well-being and recognising that you cannot lead well if you are not well mentally, emotionally and physically. So we believe that the two things go hand in hand, leadership and well-being. And this approach to leadership is truly transformational. So in order to support the development of your leadership and to support your well-being, we offer coaching in a variety of forms, including one-to-one coaching, group coaching and coach training that helps schools and multi-academy trusts who want to turn potential into performance to improve outcomes for our children and young people whilst ensuring well-being the best possible well-being for everyone in your organisation. And we also provide high quality leadership training through the Resilient Leaders Elements Leadership Programmes. And if you want to find out more about those and what we offer, you can go to the Resilient Leaders Elements website. It's www.resilientleaderselements.com and find out more. Or you can get in touch with me. It's vicky at weleadwell.co.uk to find out what we offer and how we could support you as a school leader or as a school. So today on the show, how does this link to well-being? Well, we have Phil Denton. Phil has worked in lots of different roles in schools and he finished his career working in schools as a head teacher and he is now the CEO of Evaluated who provide software that helps you as a school to undertake self-evaluation whether that's whole school or departmental. It's an absolutely great way of evaluating where you are and then identifying ways that you can improve and the reason that I love it is because it is really great for workload. It's a very incisive tool that you can use that supports evaluation and reduces the amount of time that leaders have to spend on that element of their work. So I talked to Phil today about this and about other things as well, about his experience of Ofsted and the recommendation that single word judgments should be reconsidered in the Education Committee's report to the inspector and the government that's been released today. So we have a chat about that as well. So here he is, Phil Denton. Enjoy the interview. Phil Denton, welcome to the We Lead Well podcast. How are you today? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Just uh, before we started there, talking about finding some positivity in the greyness of the weather. But other than that, I'm very well. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. At least, I mean, I say at least people who are listening are still in schools, but at least we're not in in a school anymore and having to get out at lunchtime in the dreary rain-soaked playground <laughs> yeah well there is that there is that to be honest I, the, there's a there's a sense really going to school you're that busy you don't really have time to to be concerned about the weather but um 
uh, I always, uh, I think the biggest thing of coming out of the school uh, was probably not having that routine. And I, and I, and I don't, uh, it, it, it's probably one of the things that I would quite miss is, is the routine of break times, lunch times. Um, but I do not miss wet breaks because they are designed by somebody with a sadistic temperament. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody, nobody loves a wet break. So obviously from our conversation so far, we can tell that you've worked in a school. So do you want to let the listener know who you are and what you do and sort of a bit about your career and what you do now and how you've ended up there? Yeah, so um, I um, started off, uh, I suppose, in education, really, when I was about 18. I worked in outdoor education in the States. So I worked at an outdoor centre in Western Massachusetts, which was uh, amazing. Uh, and with no intention of becoming a teacher, uh, I just did it as a gap year. Uh, and that kept, and then kept going back before, during and after uni. Um, and eventually found my way after a bit more travelling onto a graduate teacher programme uh, doing history. Um, and from there, um, took uh, a few different routes, uh, worked in the northwest in Wigan, and I went to Saudi Arabia for four years um, and then came back. Um, and then uh, after a couple of years, went on the Future Leaders Programme, which was a bit of a, a bit of a blag, to be honest, because I was a pretty <laughs> low level middle leader uh, and I managed to blag my way into the Future Leaders Programme uh, and became a, um, a deputy head. Uh, straight away, which was a surprise. I thought it was an assistant head, but a deputy head. Um, and then um, I made it, it was a sideways move, really, not in title. Title I moved to an assistant head um, in, in another school and then became a head of school and a head head teacher. Um, but the deputy head was, was um, post was definitely um, the, the biggest leap of them all. And I, 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 I might um really thought to myself you know when people talk about imposter syndrome that they um that they uh, they think they can't do something when really they can well this wasn't imposter syndrome i, I really couldn't do it for about six months i didn't know what i was doing really didn't know what i was doing but fortunately i had some good people around me that i worked with that helped me along the way and i learned so much over the time i was at, at that school um yeah and then ultimately became a head um, and then uh, just over a year, well, I guess it's a year and a term and a bit ago now, um, I um, got offered the opportunity to work in a, an ed tech, for an EdTech company, uh, Evaluated, um, and uh, also do some work with Apogo, which is a bit like Uber for supply teachers. So I took, I took that opportunity, um, and um, yeah, I, I think I probably got to the point in my head shit where, I would, I'd done five years um, and, and, and I wasn't really ever somebody who was going to be like a 25 year head teacher in one place. That's just not, not me. I'll have lots of admiration for people that do that. Um, and, and it was like exact head role or CEO or, or head in another school. Um, and I, it, it just seemed like an opportunity that if I didn't take it, it might not come around again. So uh, yeah, that that's what I'm doing now, which is uh, which is again been an absolute uh, uh, eye opener into the world of um, ed tech and the 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 commercial world of education. Uh, and I've learned an awful lot from not from completely outside of education, but on the periphery and trying to support schools 
what uh you i suppose you've had quite um a varied career would you say what types of schools have you worked in along the way um yeah yeah i suppose it's been quite varied really um they've all been um like comprehensives really apart from in saudi saudi was an international school but comprehensive schools and i worked at uh, fred longworth in wigan and then um that was a graduate teacher program and i had uh, a fixed term contract there and there wasn't like a job at the end of it i loved it there really enjoyed it um, great school and great people i worked with uh, who i still keep in touch with and I actually went in and it was like you never left because none of the staff well no that's an exaggeration some of the staff have left but a lot you know it's that that type yeah. of school really great community school um saudi was an international school so um there was about 50 percent saudi and then there was british expats uh egyptians yemeni uh lebanese um all, all different from all all over the the globe really um, and then I came back and worked at uh, an incredible school called Matthew Moss, which is in uh, Rochdale. Really forward-thinking school, um, does, does, a, does a lot around um, lateral thinking, um, and um, I probably won't do it justice now, uh, real independent learning, project-based learning, um, and, and probably um, in terms of pedagogy and um, educational philosophy that's when that really formed for me my time there and then future leaders program took me to the grange in runcorn um which again fantastic experience i worked with some great people um and, and certainly the head and the other deputy gave me a lot of space and time to grow um as, as well as the kind of pressures of, of the deputy but it was quite a turbulent time for the school um the exec had um, of the school left um, and that was I think after the my first year and term he went they went off for Christmas and didn't come back so then we had uh, another uh, a mat around the corner that came and um, did a bit of an interim role uh, which which was really unpleasant for a lot of people that were involved I um, I loved working with, I worked with um, the CEO that came in was a lady called Pam Wright, who uh, was was head over at Wade Deacon. She was amazing with me um, and I learned a lot from her. Um, but um, it was it was tough for a lot of people that you cared about because things things changed quite drastically. Um, and, it, and, it, um, and then after that, I decided there was kind of a, uh, a redundancy process and I decided that I wasn't going to go into the hat with other people that had brought me there and given me the opportunity I just I couldn't do it and and there were a couple of other kind of personal factors like distance from home so then I, I worked at Edmund Arrowsmith St Edmund Arrowsmith in Wigan which again really fortunate the schools I've worked in led by a brilliant head teacher Mark Dunmican um, and um, I'm Catholic and I hadn't worked in a Catholic school um, and when I went there, it was it was the the only way I can describe it. And this is nothing against the Grange, but it was like a massive weight was lifted off my shoulders because it was like an alignment between my personal life and my professional life. And um, so that was a brilliant experience. And then from there, went to St. Bede, which is Ormskirk, so just outside Liverpool, as head of school first of all on an interim basis. Uh, interim basis, probably yeah. 
while while I had was doing a secondment as an exec head, uh, and I learned I learned a lot there, um, and and really enjoyed my time again. Great community, great school, um, met some good people there, um, and uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed the vast majority of that that the time there. It helps if you have the microphone switched on, doesn't it, when you're doing a, a podcast. But as as listeners will have heard, like my my twenty no, twenty one year old son, as he is now, comes out of his room, slams his door. He, he makes a lot of noise. <laughs> I switched the microphone off. So you you did that, and then you decided to move into what you call ed tech. Now I know quite a lot of people probably know what that means, but it's a term that people have heard a lot, but what does ed tech actually mean? Um, I suppose it's basically technology that supports education. So um, evaluating it as an example um, is, um, in, in, I suppose in, its, in a nutshell, it's an online self-evaluation school improvement platform, which is designed to help leaders at all levels in the school um, answer questions um, in a way that produces an analysis for them, a report, a narrative report that gives them lots of opportunity to celebrate what's going well and then flags up um, areas of development that every school has. Um, so that's, um, that, that's how I would term EdTech really. And then the other, the other uh, um, company that I work, I work with, um, Apogo, well, like I say, it's a bit like Uber for supply. So they, I mean, my, my um, um, previous experience working with supply um, was was um, very varied. Supply teachers are so important, underrepresented in terms of CPD. Um, so when we went with the Pogo, that was really quick, easy, and cheap with good quality staff. It was it was um, a, a real breath of fresh air for our cover admin. So. Um, yeah, EdTech is something that supports schools through technology. And and I think what you do with Evaluated that you, you're talking about is relatively straightforward for people to use because I think a lot of EdTech products require quite a lot of training and people tra they, they have the training in how to use the technology and then they don't use it because it's just not part of their practice and they're not used to using it and it just often I think people are paying for things that they don't necessarily then go on and, and use so much but it sounds like what you do there and um the way it's the way it's structured makes it really usable for for leaders in schools so that they can just they just need a username and a password and they're on there and they're answering questions and doing the evaluations you keep it quite simple don't you yeah it's really straightforward it's literally a question with a multiple choice answer that will give you not like a b c d but a sentence and you select which one fits best and um, and it so it cuts down the amount of time it takes you to write self-evaluation and gets to the to the areas of development quicker because there's not i mean a lot of people that we speak to just dread it every year they dread that online that they, they dread doing the self-evaluation because yeah you're looking you're so busy and you're looking back historically at what's happened and really all you want to be doing is getting onto your priorities for improvement. So this is streamlines the time it takes to do that, um, but gives you really meaningful areas of development that you can focus on. 
so it's um yeah it, it's good it's gone really well i mean we've in the first sort of 15 months we've grown to about 400 schools so um, that, that's really positive and um, we're, we're continuing to speak to people around the country and, and getting bigger partnerships um which is great um we're just starting to work with um church marketplace that do procurement for catholic schools um, and we have launched another product in september which is alongside the whole school self-evaluation and that is the um the subject leadership subject leaders so again variability in middle leadership is all you to give me a real headache and sometimes that was coupled with variability of line management and um, people are always trying to do the best but just knowing what to ask and what to look for and it's a big it's a big thing isn't it if you're leading a school and you've got how many 12 middle leaders or people who are leading mm. subjects leading groups of subjects and to train all of those people at the right level to train them so that they can evaluate monitor and evaluate their own departments is is a challenge isn't it and it's a it's a big piece of work that you have to undergo to try to make sure everybody is at the same level in terms of their ability to monitor and evaluate yeah and everybody comes at it from a different perspective so if you've got 12 13 middle leaders they're all going to start at a different point so you're going to get different department evaluations and you're going to get a line manager that maybe has got their own preference of the way that things what what's important um and and that that variability can sometimes cause confusion about what actually constitutes doing a good job so utilizing things like um questions that you might be asked in a in a um from a school improvement partner or from a in a uh, in a department review or an offset inspection or whatever it might be using questions that you're likely to be asked there gives everybody a consistent set of questions gives you a consistent way to look at the school and when you get that consistency across the subject you can then compare it because you're comparing the same things rather than a department review which will all start and end at different points and if you're just looking at data then data doesn't really doesn't necessarily give you the answer that you want or answer the questions because subject is so different student starting points are so different um, and again it, yeah it can it can be a real minefield of confusion and from i don't really i don't really like looking at things from an ofsted perspective because i don't believe that we should be doing things as a school for ofsted i believe that we should be doing things for our school and then if we're doing the right things for our school and the right thing for our children and our staff when ofsted come in they'll see the work we're doing and you know everything should be okay i mean that's not always mm. the case is it but mm. I don't believe like in the the tail wagging the dog so to speak mm. however i do remember going back some years when i was ahead of english and i'd been in a brilliant school called ashton on mersey um, that's in sale and learned about how to monitor and evaluate my department so i was doing all of the things that i'd learned there and i had a big obviously it was in the days of you had everything in a folder not a file on the computer and when ofsted came in and they asked the head how how a department's monitoring and evaluating he ran to my office and said can i use that folder off you off your shelf so i took the folder down and gave it to him and he showed the ofsted inspector and the, the inspector said okay now 
have you got one of these folders for another department? And the head was like, uh, no. And they said, right, okay, well, then there's inconsistency in leadership and management because if someone's doing this, like, why is everybody not doing it? And I think, you, you like, as a deputy or a head, you need to be able to create that consistency, don't you, in the way that you are monitoring and evaluating in, in departments. And I think Ofsted are looking for that when they come in as well. They're looking for that level of consistency that everybody's, doesn't matter what you do, but if as long as everybody's doing it in the same way and it's having an impact. And I think what, what I really like about the system that you've got there is that you don't have to do it yourself. It, it's there for you and you can use it in the way that you want to use it but it creates that consistency so that everybody is doing a similar thing across all of the departments yeah it, exactly that and that and that's why that's why we created it and the 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 inconsistency that you talk about also causes more work because people yeah. learn do more to try and compensate for the fact that they're not sure whether they're doing everything that they should be doing um and, and whether we like it or not and, and uh, at the moment um Ofsted are the thing that people think about a lot because it can be quite um if there's one thing that's inconsistent it's Ofsted inspections so you, you know to find um to find a, a user tool that will ensure that you've got consistency it takes away that that um that stick to beat you with really that can be quite an easy one because human beings are inconsistent you know that by the very nature and um it, this just helps to it doesn't it doesn't take away from your curriculum design or your, your creativity it just means that you're prepared to answer the questions that you would be expected to answer um in in the current educational framework current climate and it gives and it gives questions for you to think about in terms of like what the what is the quality of what you are providing in your school or your department doesn't it it gives you like a lot of the questions that you don't necessarily have to go through sort of clicking it all, but it gives you things as well to that you should be thinking about in terms of the impact of what you're doing and and how that's having an impact on on the pupils as well which i think is really important it's it can be used as a discussion tool like if you sit down as a senior leadership team and there's a head you put this up on the on the whiteboard or wherever whatever you've got in your conference room or wherever in your school you can have some really quite interesting and useful discussions as a senior leadership team based around you know if you've done all the evaluation and you get you get a little web don't you that shows you where you are in all the different mm. areas um you could look at that or you could say this meeting we're going to look at this particular aspect and everybody on the slt is going to look at these questions it can be really powerful stuff that can't it for a senior leadership team to sit down and talk about and explore yeah again i mean i've been there when you think right let's look across and i've developed excel sheets and things like that that you can look across like the quality of teaching and learning but as a as a as a as a head you then need you need to maintain it um and you can give it to somebody who hasn't developed that system if, if you've got some new leadership team who's brilliant uh, who's created that that's fantastic but eventually they they might move on 
and then you're faced with the challenge of like how do we replicate that now well this system does it for you so it makes sure that not only have you got consistency in the here and now but you've also got sustainable consistency because you're using this platform so we found it really popular and the people that have used it have really liked it i've been able to complete um, a department review just not not obviously doing lesson observations and things like that just just at the outset but to com to complete a document that's a full department review takes less than an hour because you know the answers and then then you can find your areas of development work on them celebrate what you're doing well and and actually see the incremental changes as well and it, even if you do have someone who is good at this sort of stuff and who could put something together that does a similar thing that's an awful lot of investment into that person doing that in terms of their time mm -hmm. and when you think actually they could be doing something different because you've got this software that does that for you for me in terms of workload i read um i read an article i don't know if it was in the tes about middle leaders being like having the the biggest workload of all the staff in the school and i like i totally agree with that they do but if you're thinking about workload issues this can significantly reduce workload issues can't it because you're not having to do all that the work of thinking about what the questions might be and then putting it all together and it it could like significantly cut down on workload couldn't it yeah oh it does it does uh, and then as i say once you've done your evaluation you move on to the improvement and 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 that's the most important thing for the children that that we serve in schools is to get away from doing paperwork and onto actually working with children so it's vitally important for that and and, and it's going it's been really popular thankfully and, and we've sat in lots of slt meetings middle leader meetings and watched people complete it and it's been great yeah because I, I do the leadership performance coach role for the mpqh with best practice <clears throat> and one of the things that the participants do as part of that is they reflect on their leadership um behaviors and mm. one of them is future focus and what i've noticed is that lots of the participants and also my experience of other school leaders had teachers who i coach is they get very caught up in the day-to-day -day running of the school they become really operational and lots of them say i don't have time to take a step back and look at the bigger picture because i'm so yeah. caught up in the and then that future focus is lost because you're not really able to start focusing more on your strategic plan and i hope schools do have strategic plans but sometimes i don't know where the strategies in there or the strategic intent comes from and it's, and a lot of it is based on unreliable internal data i think so what i think this gives you is that chance also as well to sort of zoom in on things but get that zoom out and get that i can actually sit and see the bigger picture here and get that future focus that you really need rather than just being caught up in the in the operation because it's so simple like you're saying it takes you an hour to do a, a review like it's so simple to get those improvement um recommendations for improvements that you should make that it really helps you to get that future focus rather than being stuck in the operational day to day yeah yeah just that yeah and, and and there's lots of other specific reviews in there that we've got we as well as the whole school 
evaluation, the subject evaluation. There's also evaluations around behaviour, safeguarding, send, um, governance. So you can give that to other people in the school too. And when it's all in one platform, it's an easy way to navigate and see where your where your potential areas for development are and where your strengths are. So it's um, it, it it gives a consistent format to everybody, so everybody knows the way that you evaluate yourself as a school, because schools are complex. When we, we wrote the book, it, there's this American uh, military phrase, which is a VUCA, so the volatile, unpredictable, complex, and ambiguous. That's what schools are. Um, so to get some um, clarity over that is really important. Um, it's, it's something that um, Drew Povey talks a lot about in his leadership work is the first step to, to creating a really strong team is clarity. Clarity over what you're actually trying to achieve. Um, and and he, he, he speaks about it really well um, and explains it to teams of all different sorts, not just schools, but um, big corporates and sports teams. He, 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 I think that clarity is something that he um, really champions and it's something that Evaluator gives schools. Yeah, just tell me about that avuca again. Just repeat it so because people will be listening to this driving to school thinking, "Damn, I missed that. What was it?" No, so it's a good one. It's a good one. So it's um, the V is volatile, um, and then the U is unpredictable. C is the complex, and then the A is ambiguous. And the U.S. military use it a lot because that's a lot of the situations that they would walk into as a military would be a VUCA situation um, and um, it, it's something that um, the more clarity you've got the easier the obstacles are to overcome at least you need to understand it first or, or give yourself the very best understanding of it and um, to be able to make the right action take the right take take the right action it's easy for me to say <laughs> <laughs> yeah, easy for you today. Um, I, the the thing that struck me as well when you mentioned that that you there's a section of governance is that how great it is for communicating to governors your self evaluation. I'm assuming that well, I don't know if you I don't know if you've asked people, but that governors would probably find it so valuable to have this information to use. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've worked in three leadership teams now and on school improvement in a lot more and being with different governing bodies. And it's so difficult to find a governing body that has got an experience in education, has got has got the uh, ability to ask the right questions. Um, and I've been in um, governance meetings where, um, not when I was ahead, uh, but when the questions have been so, um like microscopic that they miss the big big picture so i remember one when when i was a deputy and the governors turned to a question about it was like year eight french um and we spent about half an hour talking about year eight french and i was thinking these states this was i mean this was probably what good seven or eight years ago and i was just thinking they've made these levels up you know <laughs> they made them up and what, that's it, that's it, that's exactly yeah i think that's exactly what i was referring to when i talked about internal data like so many schools yeah. use internal data but so much of it is just nonsense yeah. it's it's, ma it's made up it's made up but, and and it's so 
there's so much bias in it in terms of when students when teachers are grading students or like there's a there's a huge lack of like reliability and validity there's no there's no testing going on is there to make sure that this data that we've got is valid and and reliable it's a it's an absolute minefield i mean especially you know key stage three but at key stage four as well internal data is is not that reliable is it no you wouldn't put your mortgage on it a lot of the time would you you know <laughs> so no. um yeah I, I remember what, what one governor used to say you know uh, if if you were going to put a fiver on it what would you do well putting five pounds on a bet is very different than you know remortgaging your house to put it on it so no it isn't and, and there's so many variables isn't there in exam time so that anything could happen at to that data i mean i suppose it's an overall accuracy isn't it but um yeah but like you just said are you using i mean i know in general statistically they would say that sats data is reliable you know you've got a bell curve and there will be some who are not where they are and but for a number of children you are relying on prior attainment data that's not accurate as well aren't you yeah and, and you often see in these uh, yeah you are yeah. or it's accurate or it's accurate for the day that the kid did the test yeah but it doesn't there's no allowance for a kid who's not performed at their best a kid who's you know performed much better than they they might have done on a, on any other day kids whose dog died the day before a kid okay. who's ill you know there's all those different factors involved aren't there that means that you can't necessarily rely on the data i'm just sort of thinking here is any data that we've got people now i'm just you look at the GCSEs I mean using that for uh, a predictor of a level or degree I mean my I, I, my GCSEs were okay they were all right I think well or four A's four B's and two C's before we hear more from Phil I'd like to tell you a little bit about our partner Head Teacher Chat. Head Teacher Chat discusses lots of topics from how to support pupils with learning, how to support parents, and the many issues that come with leading a school. The aim of Head Teacher Chat is to support head teachers and school leaders who are in a challenging and often lonely role. They do this by offering lots of different information for schools to tap into. Head Teacher Chat is more than just a platform. It's a community, a support system and a trusted companion in the ever-evolving journey of educational leadership. Whether you're looking for resources, community support or expert insights, Head Teacher Chat is there for you every step of the way. To find the support you need or to join the conversation, head over to Head Teacher Chat's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn pages or visit their website at headteacherchat.com. Head Teacher Chat, it's what head teachers are talking about. Now let's get back to the interview. Ah, same as me. But I didn't get the I didn't get the ninth C because I only did eight. But you got exactly the same GCSE results as me. In a time before A stars, let's just let's just put that out there. There was no yeah, A star when we did no, our GCSEs, was there? There wasn't. No. So yeah. But I I look back now and I think well most of those results because I just didn't particularly try. But um, <laughs> me um, But I had a great time and. I, but I, I eventually went on to do a um, educational doctorate, and I did the first year, and then the senior leadership roles. Um, I wasn't allowed, Vicky. I wasn't allowed to carry on. 
because it, oh. it took too much time. But never mind. Um, it, they, they were probably right. Um, they, they, uh, they, I, I don't think I look and think, well, the people that got the straight A's were just very, very good at short-term memory um, and were well-prepared and all that and enjoyed the lessons or, or worked hard and, um, and, you know, fantastic for them. But it doesn't equate into intelligence. It doesn't equate into your ability to um, problem solve. Um, I don't think. Yeah, be creative or engage mm. with people, build relationships, all those other soft skills, I suppose, as, as they're described. There's no test of those, is there? It's just an ability to mm. commit to learning something by rote and then regurgitating a lot of it in, in an exam situation. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, one of my kids did uh, um, SATs and did, um, was really struggling with uh, maths and got co uh, coached probably, taught, coached by a really good year six teacher in a great environment, you know, breakfast club and actually enjoyed going to school, which was a rarity um, mm -hmm. and um, did, did well, but then has gone to secondary, but not in that environment and is having to find the feet again really so it's uh it's yeah it, it's not it's not reliable and there are so many things so many factors in there so i think yeah i mean one of the positives of the um the new way schools are judged is is that there's not as much reliance as there used to be um but at the same as on data or outcomes but at the same time when you're not relying on outcomes and this was my worry when we first got the new framework is how subjective is that then if you're not relying on outcomes then it's somebody's opinion about how effective you are as a as a school and that person has got all sorts of things going on you know that that it relies on their educational experience it relies on them um being uh, being in the right place you know not not looking to make a name for themselves um not having too many goods and thinking oh i better find an ri somewhere or something like that and i'm, I'm sure there's there's um well it's been shown hasn't it that there's been inconsistency in, in inspection so it's nothing new to anybody yeah um, but there's so much variability in, on what's going on in the school at particular time so um yeah it, it's um data is not data is not uh, especially reliable it's not it's not a necessarily a great predictor for future for the future um, there's, there's a lot more greater better indicators than that oh i've still have just got a new chief inspector haven't they um is it martin oliver is that his name yeah um and i think he he it's the feeling is that he wants to go back to relying more on data and outcomes doesn't he rather than looking at curriculum it's just it just makes me think you know we went through a, a lot of Ofsted years where it was data driven and then we moved to curriculum we've had so much work that schools and teachers and leaders have done on curriculum and the quality of the curriculum now um, and then we're moving back to data and it just it, it's like it, it's like I'm talking about like the tail wags the dog and there's the new um the commission of uh 
released their report today, haven't they, into Ofsted inspections. And one of their recommendations is a move away from one word judgments. Like you're saying, if you've got to judge a school as good RRI, they can't all be good. So some of the schools are going to have to be RI and some are going to have to be inadequate. And someone's applying that judgment, aren't they, on the, the schools that they theme we don't I don't know how that works whether it's you know you're expected to have a particular percentage of of each of the each of the grades but it just it feels like if they took that word away and produced a report that was a general report that said this is what we see as the qualities of your school the successes of your school the things you're doing well and these are the areas where we feel like you need some extra work and this is you know what you need to do without having that one word that supposedly encapsulates every, everything that the school does, it feels like that would be much fairer. Yeah, I, I, it makes total sense, doesn't it? And, it? and it's one of those things that I'm sure people look back on in the future and think that was crazy because it's like anything in life, isn't it? If you're going to ju judge a sports team and you have a one-word judgment for them or you have individual like somebody says describe that person in one word and you think <laughs> well what word am i going to use um you know it changes every day uh or yeah i mean you, you stretch the analogy for a, a while couldn't you but it just seems that if you uh you know the main the main point like I, I don't disagree at all with the need for a uh in the state education system a regulatory body that that checks on safeguarding on behavior on um high expectations for all students like adaptive teaching I, I don't disagree in in that i think that was what Ofsted was designed to do because i remember being uh, at school uh, I went to a good school, but there were definitely things to improve. And, and at the time, there were, probably wasn't as there wasn't the need to develop. There, there wasn't the big pressure to develop. Um, but we've gone too far the other way, in my opinion, where it's gone from a healthy pressure to improve to fear, and um, it. it that worry that a lot of schools have of this madness of waiting for a phone call that they're going to arrive the next day you know it's it's not you know we don't work in the catering industry where you've got to know that the food's right all the time um it it, it doesn't have to be like this and and i think it could be more of a an ongoing support where you've got some you know somebody that works that is assigned to work with a particular school works with them on an ongoing basis and if they wanted to write a report on that school like a review absolutely absolutely you know a review that is um against a um, set of criteria that is fair and in the best interests of children because sometimes i i i think again with the best of intentions um frameworks are, are designed by people or written by people that don't that they, they don't necessarily think of every single child um they think of a 
a, um, a mainstream of children. Um, so it makes it difficult to apply one, uh, one um, uh, give to one award body the power to make judgments of. I mean, if you take like the independent sector, so you've got Eton and independent alternative provision in highly deprived areas judged by the same criteria. Um, in schools, I think this has come out in the in the um, in the report we've just seen. Schools that have got high levels of deprivation are disadvantaged by the after the inspection framework. I mean, we could have told you that 15, 20 years ago, why couldn't we? Yeah. We, could have, we? We could have said that, of course it is. The data said that. The data said it clearly. If you've got the, the higher percentage of disadvantage you've got, the higher percentage, the high, high likelihood of being RI or inadequate. Of course. The other thing, the other thing to bear in mind, I don't know if this is a valid point or not, is that even with disadvantaged pupils, levels of disadvantage in different areas can be very different. You know, being a disadvantaged pupil in a school where there are very few disadvantaged pupils, and it, it, it's quite, a, you know, a suburban, quite nice area, is very, very different from a school that's right in the heart of the most deprived area in the country in Salford or uh, Harper Hay or wherever it might be in Manchester those children are very different aren't they how you know their experience of school education engagement that's different as well so it, it that's not accurate either is it that that there are levels of inequality in that too Mm, well, it's really interesting. So when I did my um, educational doctorate, so I looked at, I was looking at aspiration um, and different levels of aspiration. And um, when I started to look at it, we looked at um, different um, students with different different um, ethnic backgrounds. So we looked at, one of them was the um, uh, students that had, were either from Pakistan or were different generations of um, uh, Pakistani students that have come to the UK. And the data was very stark for that group that um, overall they performed better than white working class British. However, when you looked into it, it was really influenced by the generation of those students. Um, so even just that nuance makes it impossible to make a judgment and and i think that's like like i say i i don't disagree with an external body and um, ensuring high standards of education in the country what i sometimes have an issue is with um and that's a bit of a euphemism what what boils my blood sometimes is when i've been to these head teacher meetings and you are presented with um cursory science um, that is presented as fact um, that I, I, I think needs to, needs to change. You know, when, when we hear things like um, the sequencing of the curriculum um, allows for uh, composite and component knowledge to be taught effectively. And if you get this all right, then they, will, they, they, they even go on to talk about schema and um, different synopsis in the brain. And I can guarantee that those people delivering this are not experts in this field the vast majority of the time. So the influence of external factors has 
got to be equally if not more important than the physiological development of somebody through a sequenced curriculum which is around their brain to and again i think it's well intentioned i think it's really well intentioned i don't think anybody has set out to, to make a system but that is that is unfair um i just think reviewing schools needs to be really simplified and we were making it very complicated and that's what's causing stress for people does it also need to be contextualized because one of the things that i bang on about all the time that I, I really really think is so so important is that every single school is different like I know like as a school <laughs> if you put me next to another school there'll be lots of ways in which we're similar you know we've got x number of pupils, we've got staff blah blah blah, blah. there will be lots of you do a Venn diagram the middle bit will be stuffed full of things that are, that are the same in every school but at the same time there are so many things that are different and each school regardless of how similar it is to other schools is actually totally unique it has it, it just has its own context that is different from other schools and that's really really important it's like you were saying you you know you're using the same ways to measure things that are actually quite different and it and it feels like Ofsted come in and they don't really care about the context. It's like it's gen it's general stuff. It's like well, we we measure like you're saying we measure education in this way, but it's not. It's more nuanced than that, isn't it? It's, there's a lot. There are a yeah. lot more subtleties to it. Yeah, and and that's why I think it, it. I mean, the work that you do in uh, with your coaching work and the work that I I've done with leaders and coaching and mentoring that have trying to help people get back to is, is is coming to a sense of as a leader why why are you doing this job why what are you what why are you doing it what what is the purpose of your leadership role and then center everything around there from a leadership approach um is it is it social mobility is it to do with um a faith formation um is it about academic excellence you you decide what it is and then from there then work with your team to create ways in which you can make that happen without without looking at an Ofsted an Ofsted framework on the on the kind of um the output of that should be aligned with um the overall expectations for uh and for a, a framework that schools are reviewed because we can't have everybody in the country every different leader doing it a million different ways otherwise we'd really struggle for um consistent development and and support um but i just think what what sometimes the pressure of Ofsted takes away is that real clarity of purpose for leaders that have come into this because they want to make a difference in children's lives so whatever happens in the with the new with changes in the future i just hope that school leaders are liberated a bit more and um, so yes let's get some consistent goals across the country a bit like you would like like, like in a school isn't it you know you you couldn't say to every head of department just do what you want just do what you want that you're in charge you do what you want you've got to have some things that are consistent across the school 
but that shouldn't inhibit 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 the creativity of the leaders leading the school and i think that's where you need coaching and support to help you grow and flourish as a leader to be able to do that because it's not easy with the external pressures that are put upon put upon leaders and like you were saying before when you mentioned drew povey and he talks about clarity if you've got that clarity where you can do what you want like if you're really clear about what the expectations are and where we're going and what we're trying to achieve and and these are the things that you know we want you to make sure you're doing then you can say you know within those parameters do what you want can't you like because you've got to give some autonomy to your staff you've got to give them some feeling of control you know if you look at um oh what's he called will schultz um you know the FIRO model and control is a is a big part of that like feeling like you're in control of of your work that is important but there's got there have to be parameters that you're doing that within don't there that's the clarity that you give us as a leader it's like this is where we're going this is this is what we're doing and like as long as you 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 know you're achieving those things are you meeting those expectations you can do it how you like mm, yeah yeah and it goes to um, Dan Pink's motivation as well and I think a lot of yeah motivation and, and Dan Pink talks about mastery autonomy and purpose so yeah autonomy to work within uh, a system and then the purpose to be able to go back to that thing that we were just talking about and then mastery, yeah, getting better at something, get, get have been given the time and the and the resources to improve um, yourself in the school. And I, I know that's what the framework is designed to do. I, I don't think that we, I think taking that one word judgment away would be tremendously beneficial. But I can also see from a reporting point of view, how do they then report that across the country? So they'd have to find a different way to do that, but it's totally possible. I mean, it's, I think Labour talk about a report card, don't they? So I'm assuming that the report card would be you get your report and you've got your like you've got your four areas and the different elements that you're judged in, and you get given a one, two, three, or four in all of those areas. And sometimes when you look at it and a school will say, Well, we were we were good but we, we got outstanding in some areas but you yeah. still get a good judgment or whatever it might be it's whoever reads that then isn't it you can see the bits that are important to you you go actually the bits that I'm really interested in a school for my children is that there's good there's a good quality of pastoral support and, and yeah. that's the key thing for me and I can look at that and in, in the report and go oh well they got you know really good grades for that whereas an Ofsted report it doesn't do any of that does it it just like this is what the school is and then it gives you the description of it so it, it might be worth having that more detailed I'm assuming that's what a report card would look like from uh, that's my assumption that a report card would look like that which seems to make more sense to me yeah yeah and you know as a as a report you know if you want to look at a school yeah you want to compare schools across an area you need some kind of barometer to be able to look at that um because you, you know to have a report for every single school would be would be, wouldn't be a, a narrative for every school would be difficult for parents to look at and decide where they want the children to go 
Um, so yeah, I mean, my my um, I've studied experience was unfortunately two weeks before, or two weeks before I left, um, we had um, we had an Ofsted inspection. So we were a good school, and they came back early because they said you are good and you might be outstanding. Um, and when they came back, it, I wouldn't say from the first phone call we could you could see some of the routes they wanted to ask questions around and then it it felt like and they would and have disagreed from my uh letters to them um that it was like a school assassination um i in the in the kind of meetings that i was in i didn't recognize what school they were talking about um um, and uh, I was fortunate to work with um, an, an exceptional deputy who's also an inspector herself. Um, and it, 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 I, I, I understood some of the, I understood they were sticking to a set of bullet points and they said to us, we have to go by these bullet points. But what was difficult to take is that we had strong results, a very happy staff, very happy parent body, very happy students, an amazing extracurricular, a really broad curriculum um, in that, you know, 13 subjects at um, um, Key Stage 3. And the way that we were treated um, was pretty, pretty horrendous. Um, and it was it was that story that people will often say when they've been on these kind of experiences where they're just looking for something wrong they're just looking for something we went down from two subject two language subjects to one at key stage three because we had we language results weren't what we wanted them to be we got an external expert in and they said unless you can add more time in the timetable then go down to one subject and do instead of two subjects having two lessons a week, one subject with three lessons a week. So obviously we debated it a lot, and you think if we added more time in for languages, we'd have to take another subject away. So that's what we did. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing written anywhere to say you shouldn't do that. You can't do that. And, and as an adult, who learns two languages at the same time, apart from, you know, Jason Ball in the Born Identity. You know, everybody else learns one language at a time. Um, but um, it's so confusing for kids as well. I just think when they're learning two languages, they just get a, I, from my experience of observing mm. like languages lessons at key stage three, it's like you're reteaching things all the time because you're trying to teach two languages and then you step. So that makes total sense to me. And the 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 take up rate of languages if you if you offer it as an option at GCSE is so poor, and if you don't offer it as an option and you make it compulsory, then your results are terrible because mm. half the kids who are doing it opt out when it comes to revision time. They just think, well, if I've got X amount of time to revise, I'm going to revise for English, math, science, geography, history. And I'm going to just, I'm not bothered about the language. So I think like that decision is the right decision. Yeah. Well, sorry, that, but they didn't. So I know if I were that Ofsted inspector, I would. 
<laughs> no, it's it's uh, yeah, it it's it was it was a very very unpleasant experience to go through, and and what you find about these things is, I mean, again, I, I don't want to get in trouble for saying some of their reactions. Um, I mean, my impression is that they looked visibly upset reading this, reading this thing out to us. But you, but on inspections, they've actually got a very limited amount of time to make a judgment. Very limited. They they can go into very few lessons nowadays. They've got to gather in a tremendous amount of evidence and write it up and give you the report in. I mean, it's not even forty eight hours, is it? So they have got to arrive at a decision and prove that decision with evidence very quickly. It's difficult for them to be undecided, keep gathering evidence that might give one answer or another. Again, this is just my opinion. And then arrive at a, a decision. Um, and then they've got to, because then they've got to back that decision up. Um, and I think it's right that this, that the, the, the QA process, the complaints process, because what we found is you, your first, uh complaint goes to the person who's written the report the second complaint goes to their colleague so um in yeah so i think that needs to change as well um but again i'm not i'm not saying that people set out at all with ofsted to make it to create the environment they create um and i know some fantastic inspectors that do it from their survey leadership roles to learn more about schools and and all that and, and that's great um but there's too many stories isn't there there's too many stories of people yeah. becoming ill or you know the ruth perry thing is just horrific but you know to be perfectly honest with you and i was never at that point you know don't get me wrong i was never that that low or or or, or but everything people talked about the feeling i mean i came home after my first night of that inspection and i apologized to my kids that's how bad i felt i apologized to them and they were like why are you saying sorry like because you feel like it's the end of the world and i said well i, I can't really explain it but i'm really sorry my wife was like you know, don't be sorry and all that um which is the first time she's ever said that <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, that's how you felt, and, and utterly um, flat, crushed for months, and took a long time to get over it. So I'm aware my opinions tainted somewhat, so it's not an unbiased one. Um, but I think surely the, the, when the report came out that we got, it was overall very positive. <laughs> like it was, if you took that one word away and read it, you would have thought, oh, fair enough, fair enough, yeah. There was nothing in the report that I particularly didn't that I particularly disagreed with. There were some things where I thought I don't think that's I, I don't agree with you. But against those bullet points, there's things I would say. Okay, we're doing all of what we're, we're taking every action you've suggested on there already. But fair enough, that's your opinion. But that opinion has such a damning effect on a school. Um, now, fortunately. And I think this is a growing trend. Um, the parents were exceptionally supportive. I wasn't there when the report came out, and I, I'm, I'll, you know, I was really sorry about that because I wanted to be the one to tell them, and I wanted to be the one to talk to them about why that happened. 
but from you know colleagues that were there there was no comeback from parents at all there was more a negative cohesion um which was good to hear for them because you feel like you left people in it but uh, i think i think something needs to change where, where that is just the outcome um, and, and and people that would say um well you should have done this and like our assessment for example was should have um it was consistent but it wasn't it wasn't in the new kind of way of the world of doing assessment we still used um levels and numbers but attached information to that and we were changing the but irony the irony, <laughs> the, the irony of the grades on the Ofsted and then you know they're saying to you don't don't use grades anymore but yeah, yeah. everything comes round, doesn't it that's why so many older teachers are so careworn because everything comes back round, and they're just in the here we go again this is you know oh, we've got a, a new way of doing something that it's like yeah. something we already did and we've tried that we've done that and it it's it's just always the same isn't it you, you yeah, just it think it's coming back round i think um i think i wrote a, a linkedin post uh, a couple of weeks ago about the the biggest thing i wish i'd have done is get a proper coach when i was ahead um because that um would have helped would have helped in all manner of ways but I think sometimes you take too much on on your own as 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 an individual, whatever position you are, middle leader, senior leader, head teacher, whatever, or a, te a teacher as well. You take you take too much on on your own. Um, I had a brilliant chair of governors who'd always say to me, you know, he he was in the police, and he'd say, um, "Don't don't this this idea of one hundred percent accountability on you is is not normal." You know there is there is shared responsibility across and i think having a coach to talk you through that particularly you have a coach you know drew's a great example isn't he he's a he's a coach of people who's been through a heck of a time um and so there isn't obviously this catastrophic health death and severe illness that you could talk to about that he that he'd probably have some relationship to but in terms of a professional challenge there isn't many people who could surpass the challenges that that he's had in his career that he talks talks a lot about and having somebody who's been through that sort of thing as a coach or and the successes as well of course um would be tremendously helpful i think i also think that coaching just it it creates space for head teachers or school leaders or ceos or whatever to take a step back like we were saying before to take a step back to just step off the hamster wheel for a short period of time and just explore some of the things that are happening and just talk mm -hmm. talk through them and actually i think just sometimes the power of vocalizing something and even hearing yourself say it can be really powerful like i think some of the best coaching sessions i've had with her teachers I've got to the end and I've probably asked three, four questions maximum in the whole session because that head teacher has just had a space to just talk through things, just to just to talk it through and sometimes just reflecting back the language that they're using to them can be a, 
oh, hang on, I didn't realise I'd been thinking about it in that way. Mm. And it just, because when you're in your own head, it's so different from being in a space with someone else who's just listening to you mm. and reflecting some of those things back to you. Are you just, just the, the, just the nature of listening to yourself say something that you've been thinking can sometimes just make you go, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's not a good way of thinking, is it? So it's mm. just, it's the power of that sometimes as well, isn't it? Having that space in which you just get to vocalize things that you've yeah. been thinking. Yeah, and and sometimes it's those vocalizations where a good coach will say, "I know you don't want to do this, but you've got to." <laughs> I find that sometimes with the good conversations that I have with um, Mickey, who wrote the book with, or with Drew, people like that. Sometimes it's that thing of you spell out a problem, you talk through a solution, and then you feel duty bound to do something about it before the next time you speak to them. <laughs> Yeah, and that's I think that's the power of coaching as well. It's that you're you're coming up with the solution and you're saying, Well, I could do this, I'm sure it would work because and then you feel responsible for doing it, don't you? Yeah. Because absolutely. because you've and for me that's the power of coaching. It's not someone else saying, Well, here's a solution for you. I think you should do this. It's you actually working through to that point of realizing what you need to do and then going i'm gonna to have to go and do that now aren't i yeah, yeah and not, not even not necessarily even that you're going to have to come back and have another conversation with drew in which he goes did you do what you said you were going to do it's not it, I, I don't even think it's that i think it's just that you feel that sense of re responsibility that you've created towards yourself by coming up with that solution that it's like well i'm gonna to have to go and do that now aren't i rather mm. than chasing it around in my head all the time once i've said it it makes it real doesn't it and you go yeah. right okay i need to go and do it yeah yeah no definitely if it's uh it's something that every every um head or school leader should have is is somebody to talk to and get that space out get that that, that get that support um yeah and it's it's there's a there's a lot of great coaches out there so it's just finding one that is going to be the best person suited to you i think yeah definitely um, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I've still got loads of things that I wanted to ask you, so maybe I'll have to get you back another <laughs> another time because we've been talking for ages now. So um, I always every episode I say I could just talk to I could talk all day. So <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. If people want to find out more about Evaluated and what it could provide for them in in their school, where where should they go? Um, yeah, so it's www evaluate dash ed dot com um, and it's uh yeah you can you can book a free trial on the book a demo the special offers all the time um and um you can follow me on um twitter as well so it's at phil denton 81 and um, you can also follow evaluate on there that's at ed evaluate I can't even spell. I'm trying to write this down, but I, I don't even know how to spell anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and you're on LinkedIn as well, if people. Yeah, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn too. Yeah. Just yeah. go on and type your name in and find you on there. Brilliant. Thank Not you so much for your time today, Phil. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed chatting to Phil today. He is a very, very humble 
guy there's was something that i wrote down in my notes that i was wanting to ask him a question about was his humility because he is brilliant he has achieved some fantastic things and he doesn't brag about them he doesn't boast about them he's actually just really really humble and it was nice to talk to him uh, so thank you so much phil for chatting to us today i really think that what he offers and i'm i'm not honestly i'm not getting any commission <laughs> i don't receive anything for this i just think that what they're offering in the product that they've got from evaluated is really really good i've had to play around with it myself and i do wish it was something that i'd had when i was in my leadership roles in schools because i think it is really really powerful and i think you could gain a lot from it and i also think it's a great help in terms of reducing the workload of leaders in your schools particularly middle leaders because they've been proven in in you know in reports that have been released that they are the ones in school who have the the heaviest workload and whatever we can do to reduce that workload i think we should be doing so it's well worth having a look at so thank you so much phil and thanks to him for for sharing that and that is about all we've got time for today. This episode is sponsored by schoolsuk.com who provide supply cover insurance and you can get a 10% reduction in your premium if you use the code we lead well podcast when you go through to pay for your supply cover. So 10% is, is quite a big discount and they offer some amazing extras in their packages the main one being the wellbeing package, which gets you access access for everyone in your school to a GP on that very day, which I just think is, is magnificent. You, you know, I, I think it's something that we don't tend to do in education. We don't see the GP when we need to. So that's brilliant. So if you use the uh, code WheelieDwell Podcast, you can get 10% off the cost of your cover. So... Whatever you are doing this week, we have reached the end of January. We're only a couple more weeks from half term. So go out there, enjoy yourself, get out into the into the winter, go for a walk, do something fun, do some hobbies, meet some friends, whatever it is you need to do to create connection with other people or with nature, please go out and make a point of doing it. And I will speak to you next time. Take care of yourself, take care of your staff and lead well. This episode of the We Lead Well podcast was brought to you in partnership with headteacherchats.com and Progressive Masculinity and was sponsored by Schools UK.